You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is your boy Dylan Matthews alongside the man, the myth, the legend himself. Bo Morgan, and we are Peachtree Football. Make sure you like this podcast, follow the podcast, download every single episode, and you can do it by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast. Peachtree Football is there. Bo, there's no way to sugarcoat this. There's no way to work around this. We got robbed. The Atlanta Falcons got robbed. They lose yesterday by a final score of 15-21 to 21 in Raymond James Stadium to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the whole world is talking about it. And they should be. And I'm glad they are. Because that sack by Grady Jarrett, and I'm calling the sack because it should have been a sack. And it was a sack that should have not been penalized. But everybody has seen it by now, uh, for real, unless you've been living under a rock. Because it was trending on social media. And... The thing that gets me the most about this call is that it is so freaking inconsistent, Bo. It is so freaking inconsistent. We don't know what it is, what it isn't. We don't know what roughing the passer is or isn't anymore. Because if you go to plays before that, Lamar Jackson was, I mean, not Lamar Jackson, um, him too, but that's not what I'm talking about. Marcus Mariota was sacked like that in the same game. He's been sacked like that before. Nothing has been called. In the Sunday night game, Lamar Jackson was sacked in a similar uh, fashion and nothing was called. So what is roughing the passer? Because what Grady Jarrett did did not seem like roughing the passer. Wes Durham talked about it on uh, on the postgame show. Dave Archer talked about it during the broadcast. It looked like a just a football move. That's a football move. He was He brought his momentum down while he was tackling. And he had to roll over to get back on his feet. So, oh, I feel a little bit better now. Not really, but I had, I had to just get that off my chest in the beginning. But, Bo, how do you feel about the play the the, the play call, the, the penalty there? Because, I mean, we just got robbed. 
Uh, I mean, I don't know. Where do you want me to start? You want me to start with the actual play or the referee that made the call or the person that received the benefit of the call? Because I can start anywhere. Right. Uh, I guess I'll start with the play, and then I'll go to the person who benefited the play, mm-hmm. and then I'll get to the 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 the, the, the whatever the, the man on the field in a striped uniform <laughs> made the call. First off, it's a textbook play. Look, uh, for my my view, it looked like Grady ran a stunt, started inside, came around on the outside, uh, beat Gadecki, uh, Matt, uh, or actually I think it's uh, Gedecki is how you pronounce it, okay. it, was the guard who was responsible for it and, and ran right by him. Another huge play by Grady Jarrett in crunch so late in the game, yep. which is something that um, he has – Yo, Chuck Smith talked with us on Dukes and Bell. He's worked on – this is a guy who – this is what he started to do in these games, and, and, and he has become a closer. Grady Jarrett, in his career, has been a guy that's made some huge plays. But Grady mm-hmm. Jarrett, this version, year, uh, what, six, seven, year eight, is becoming a closer. And he's in the best shape I've ever seen him in, and he's out there making plays. And he was robbed. Uh, it's a textbook sack. He wrapped up the quarterback, and he brought him to the ground. If he would have slung him, I could have seen it. Tom Brady didn't call mercy. He didn't do any of that. He was still he was fighting, as he should have been doing, and he was thrown to the ground or tackled to the ground. It wasn't even thrown. He was yeah. tackled to the ground. And that is a textbook NFL sack. The problem is that Tom Brady had whined and cried all day long and and somewhat right maybe he had a call he had a, a a beef on maybe one of the plays where I did think it was like um someone kind of went low on him which is the Tom Brady rule to begin with yeah that being said Brady kicked great Grady Jarrett yep. Tom Brady kicked at Grady Jarrett as he's getting up and I saw him point to the ref and go bleeping call that stuff bleeping call that bleep really yes. and as soon as he did that's when Boger threw the flag that's how we're here that's why we're in this situation walks up and he's like oh yeah I'm going to call roughing and then Brady's like yeah first downs against them that's horse crap um the, Tom Brady for years has has done this, and I, what I mean, done this, he's benefited from calls. Right. He's treated differently throughout his career. He has been he's had a dark cloud over penalties called against him, calls going for him. It started with the Tuck rule, then you had Spygate, then he had Deflate Gate, which yeah. I thought was <laughs> ridiculous of all, and was Deflate Gate. Right. Uh, I, I I didn't think that one was that big of a deal, but it's an advantage. Mm-hmm. That that's another one. And now he gets calls that he shouldn't get. Mariota, you pointed out, didn't get the call earlier. Just I'm just sick of this. This is complete and utter garbage. And it never it, it we shouldn't be talking about this. No. Nope. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We should be talking about whether or not the Falcons and the Falcons offense and Marcus Mariota led them on a game-winning drive or not. That's what we should be talking about. We should be talking about the opportunity they had, uh, they should have had, and whether or not they took advantage of it. But instead, we're talking about the NFL being some babies and not taking accountability because they messed up the whole Tua thing. Now they're overcompensating and they're trying to protect some, they're trying to protect Tom Brady like he's some ancient artifact in a museum. And I'm tired of it. Like you said, it's it's complete and utter garbage. And it it just, you feel like this team has just caught no breaks this this season at, at, at some points. I mean, the New Orleans one, I know you kind of shot yourself in the foot, but that's a break you didn't get. And now this one is the officials, you know, taking the opportunity and robbing you of a of opportunity to win well, a football game. I think I think they've gotten some 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 breaks here and there, some mm-hmm. some some rolls. I think every team that wins any game gets a break here and there. Yeah. But what bothers me most about it is you didn't have a chance to win the game because it was nope. taken from you. That's what pisses me off. That's exactly. what has my see. I look at things the way you, know, you and I do the games for the network. We 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 work on the network. And and as someone, you know, I get paid for the game. Right. We go to the playoffs, we get an extra game or two. Yeah. These guys are out here. So in and in some ways, and I bring bring that up not to say, oh, look at us, but bring that <laughs> up to tell you, much like the players, mm-hmm. the players go to the playoffs, they get bonuses. Grady Jarrett, I don't know what's in his contract. I mean, I I mean, obviously we know most of it, but yeah. You're messing with these guys' livelihood. Uh-huh. That's money out of his pocket. I mean, it's sacks, whatever. And roughing the passer gets reviewed by the NFL. So if he, if the NFL, the, the NFL could want to take up for Boger in this case and say, oh, well, well, look, this was roughing the passer. You slung him. You could have injured a, a player, uh, unnecessary damage. We're going to find you now. That's the crap that comes with these BS calls. Mm-hmm. And this guy's been doing it for years. Jerome Boger for years has been one of the worst referees in the league. Not, I mean, he's one of the worst referees in professional sports. Every mm-hmm. time his crew does a damn game, there's garbage that comes with it. We all, It's always a blow calls constantly because they have no leadership because he's the head referee. He is yep. the worst head referee in the NFL. He might be the worst head referee in professional sports. It's This is so egregious. It's one of the worst calls I've ever seen that I, of a game that I've worked. And then on top of it, you know, you, you, you cost us a game. You absolutely cost yep. us that game. I mean, his explanation... Dumb. Didn't even make sense. He was in the grass and he threw him unnecessarily. He didn't throw him. He and then real, with him. And then real quick too, the way I saw it and the way I look at it too, the way he was tackling Tom Brady, 
he Tom Brady was on top of Grady Jarrett until Grady Jarrett rolled him over in that slinging or unnecessary throwing motion that Jerome Boger is talking about. If I'm not mistaken, the way Tom Brady was on Grady Jarrett until Grady Jarrett moved him over to the side, Tom Brady didn't even look down to me. Now, they could have ruled the play dead, I guess, but they didn't. The whistle didn't blow until Tom Brady was moved over to the ground by Grady Jarrett. So he was, there was no extremity that I think, and I'll have to look at it again, but from what I've seen and the replays I've seen, it doesn't look like he was down until Grady Jarrett slung him over, like Jerome Boger is saying. So was he even down yet is my explanation. So how is it unnecessary Unnecessary if he didn't if he wasn't down until Grady Jarrett moved him over and rolled over? It is. It, well, this is the inconsistency of the NFL. Yep. And this is an overreaction. This is what this – see, this is why I always tell people stop acting – Stop going crazy, and especially the media on social media about plays. This is the downfall of the NFL is this and that, and they should do this because now you get an overcorrection. You get an overreaction by the league, and you get an overcorrection. Go to what happened to Teddy Bridgewater in the Jets game. Bridgewater takes a rough hit. Should have That should have been a rough in the passer, the way yeah. the defender landed on him. Textbook, and we've seen it called against us before, they caught on Grady. And, caught on Grady before. So they immediately, because of the hit, push put Bridgewater in protocol. He clears it, and now even when you clear protocol, you can't come back in the game if you looked if the hit looked bad or you looked wobbly. So yep. now we've double failed. Now you cost, and I I, I I admittedly don't know what the score was in that Dolphins Jets game. But I do know that Bridgewater wasn't allowed to come back in. I don't know because I was doing my own damn game. Right. <laughs> watching my own bad calls. But that being said, that essentially costs – that could have cost the, the Dolphins the game. I don't know what the yeah. score was when that happened. Right. But here we go. Here Overcorrecting we stuff. I mean, it's just unbelievable what we're doing. And – I mean, it's so frustrating that this is where we're at. It's so frustrating that the garbage we have to put up with by by these refs. I mean, this is this is bad officiating. I, I'm just beside myself. I'm befuddled. I think that's the right word nope. with what's happening. And look, this co- there's no doubt in my mind this cost you the game. There's no doubt in my mind this absolutely cost the Falcons the game. Because all the momentum all of it. was in Atlanta's side. You, your, your defense was coming up with stops. Your, Offense scored on two straight drives. Yeah, just, just, man, this is as bad as it gets. And it's really frustrating because what, what's going to happen now? The league's going to tell you, you know, that was, that was an incorrect call. What, do, what good does that do us? None. And it makes us feel worse, honestly. It makes us feel even worse because, yeah, duh, we know you got it wrong. Thanks for telling us. And thanks for getting it right after it doesn't matter anymore. That's already an L on us. And and then, and then too, like, we, this Falcons team was feeling so good about themselves, winning two in a row. They were feeling good about themselves at that point. Grady Jarrett had made another big play. We had a chance to take over first place in the NFC South, sole possession of first place in the NFC South, and really maybe get some things cooking chance to win three games in a row and that again was taken from us so it's just 
so, so frustrating. And, I mean, you, you really just can't amplify how bad this call was and how much, and really how much, like, damage that call did because it, it did a lot. There were so many things that that terrible call affected. But I do want to talk about this, though, because even though I'm with you, that call robbed us of the game because I do think we would have went down and scored with the way our momentum was going, the way the offense was playing. We had gotten the run game going. We had like we had worn Tampa down um, on their, their, their defensive front. I will say, however, though, I do not believe it's the sole reason we lost this football game. It's probably 90% of why we lost, but I do not believe it's the sole reason. I say that because we did get to us. We did get off to a slow start on offense. We couldn't get the ball. We couldn't run the ball, you know, much in, in the first half. We did get it going later, and you know, we just we just couldn't move the ball as well as we needed to in that first half. We get the offense going a little bit faster, and you know, we execute a little bit better in, in the first half. Then I think we are in a better position to maybe win that win that football game with even with that happening. But again, I. Only blame like 10% on the Falcons. I blame 90% on the referees. But I do not believe it's the sole reason we we lost that football game. Though. So uh, normally I'm 100% with you, and I'm going to agree with everything on this call because I've said this at no one play. I, I said this week one and week two where everyone wanted to blame Marcus for the loss. And, yeah. you know, I said that that's ridiculous. There's a lot. There's a, You know, th that's not how this works. I, I completely disagree with you here. Uh, this absolutely was 100% the reason the Falcons lost the game. It's a freaking 60-minute uh, game. 40 minutes. What do I think? College basketball? Uh, it's a 60-minute <laughs> game. And you played well in the first quarter mm -hmm. defensively, yeah. and they played well. And then the second quarter, they got to you a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, they started – they started kind of coming on, mm -hmm. and they made some plays, and, and and you kind of had to play catch up, you yeah. know. And that's how it goes sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just how it is. But you played well down the stretch, yeah. And in all honesty, you were, you know, look at it this way. Falcons, I think the Falcons were probably a little bit better in the first quarter. They were better in the second, third quarters, and you dominated the fourth quarter. Right. So, when nothing happened in, to them that affected the outcome, you can say the Scotty Miller play on the sideline, oh, that, that was a pass interference. I'm going to disagree with you there, too. I do believe it was pass interference. The ball wasn't yeah. catchable. The damn no, ball it, was, it, was, it, was, it was over. So, this absolutely cost you the game. You had all the momentum. All you had to do was go down, eat the clock, and score a touchdown. You were up. You were down by six. Touchdown and an extra point wins the game. Mm -hmm. They absolutely robbed the Falcons. This is 100% on the NFL for allowing Jerome Boger to still be a referee in this league. This is 100% their fault. You were right 99.9% of the time, but this is the outlier. This is that. 0.1%. You were cheated. It cost us the game. Absolutely. Yeah, I I get it. It, it. it feels that way. But I just feel like there was more that we could do in the first half 
to help our position in, in the second half to maybe where we don't have to rely as much on the stupid that, referee. That's great, but you didn't you didn't let the game get out of hand. That's true. I know it was 21 nothing at the first, at one point, but in the they did nothing in the first quarter. They didn't score in the second no. quarter. It yeah. was 13 nothing at halftime. Mm-hmm. Sure, you left some plays on the field, but you also kept yourself in the game. You, are. you kept yourself in the game. And then when you were down 21-7, your defense got a three and out. When you were down 21-15, your defense – I actually got a couple of three and outs. And then like you're down 21-15, yeah. and your defense bows up and makes a play to get the ball back, to not allow any more points, to have like, uh, what, two, three minutes left on the clock, mm-hmm. and they cost you. So – not really at you, but save me the, <laughs> the, oh, it wasn't really, you know, there was more to it than that. No, it was 100% their fault. This is all on the rest. I'm sorry. I'm not going to, I'm normally not that guy. You know, I, I'll, I do believe that, that, that it's a 60 minute game and there are a lot of plays, but this play is as egregious as it gets. One thing is for certain, though, is that we definitely got it. I mean, it's, it's it's really no it's no it's no two cents around it's no two ways around it. We got robbed, and the Falcons now have to have to they have to bounce back. And Arthur Smith talked about it in the post game with Dave Archer. You know, you, you got to go back to work, and that's everybody's mindset. Avery Williams said it too. You know, he said, "I we got to get better." So, and that starts with me. And every I'm glad everybody has that mindset. But man, I just wish they could. I I know they can't comment on it, but I wish they could just be like, "Man, the ref screwed us." I wish they could say that. They can't. So we'll say it for him. The ref screwed you, uh, but well, yeah. Look, look, this team showed what it's shown all year is that yeah. other than the first game of the year, this is a four quarter team. Yes, they fight for four quarters, and I'm not. And and look, I'm not saying. I'm just saying that their best football in week one wasn't in the fourth quarter. Correct. But the other four games this team has played, their best football has been in the fourth quarter, and yep. there there's something to be said for that. Um, so for me, there's a lot of pauses to take out of that. I'm still pissed off about what happened yesterday because to, again, to have a game completely taken from you is just not fair. Well, you know what? Screw the fairness. Cause life isn't fair. It's BS. It's not cool. And I, if, if the players are expected to be perfect in this league, and if not, they're cut or they're traded or they're not re-signed, then the referees need to be. It's time yep. to hold officials accountable. This the, the 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 union referee unions and professional sports are the downfall of the sports and the league, the sports leagues that they uh, accompany. Yeah, and and we've seen and we see guys like Trey Young talk about it too. With, with officials, like, it's time that, like, you know, players have to come up and, and answer questions and, you know, do press conferences about how they played and what happened and what didn't happen. And I know Jerome Boger did answer a question uh, about the call, but, like, put these guys in front of a mic in a press conference in front of the media and let them answer some questions. And maybe, you know what, they'll, they'll think twice before making a bogus call or maybe they'll consult with the rest of their crew before they make a bogus call. So, it is definitely time for the refs to be held accountable, whether you need to make them full-time or and, and give them benefits or whatever to help hold them accountable. I don't care what you got to do, but hold the refs accountable. Because like you said, it's not fair to the players that, you know, 
a play here and a play there and, and bad play can get them, you know, on the street looking for a job. The same thing needs to happen with the refs. If you're costing these players money, if you're costing these players livelihoods, if you're possibly taking food away from, from these players and their families, then they should be held accountable too. And if they're bad enough, they should get put on the street. So that's just, I, I, that's how we both feel about it. So there you go. I, I do want to touch on a quickly a positive note before we get into some news and notes. Um, I am very, very excited about what this offensive line is doing, Bo Morgan, because without Cordell Patterson, you still ran for 156 yards on the ground. I think it was 151, actually. Um, but you were right there at where your average was. And you will, it looked like no CP, no problem. And I know it took a little while to get going, but sometimes it happens in the run game. And sometimes, you know, you get the best runs later on in the game when you have worn that defensive line down. So I have to, I mean, we got to really start speaking glowingly about this offensive line because, and I, I was I was hoping this would happen and it did. No matter who's back there, it seems like this Falcons offensive line is going to have some success no matter which running back is back there. Yeah, I mean, they struggled at times yesterday. I think Tampa Bay really played to set up the run. They really played to stop the bootleg and, I think uh, the offensive line did a better job in the second half. I also think that the gameplay and the score dictated a little bit of what they were able to do because Tampa Bay had to guard for them to open up the ball more. So, I look, there's no doubt this offensive line is better um, than it's been, uh, you know, in a long, long time. Um, yeah. But, you know, that, that being said, Mariota still got sacked five times yesterday. True. So they could have been better. It wasn't, to me, their best best game. But you're still one of the top offense, uh, rushing offenses in the, in the league. Mm -hmm. And to your point, that's a lot on the offensive line because you've got a lot of young guys back there running the ball for you. And, and Williams and Algier and um, Caleb Huntley, yeah. and, and they're making holes for those guys. So I, I, I think you're right. I think their pass pro needs to get better. Yeah. But to your point, we are – much better at something we've struggled at in the past. Yeah, I mean, and for me, what is what has, like, I mean, the offensive line play overall surprised me the most, but it's really because we thought this was going to be maybe the weakest part of the team, and it's turning out to, I'm not going to say be the strongest, but it's definitely not the weakest part of the team, in my opinion. So, you know, um, the offensive line, I'm just really excited about how they're playing, and, you know, they're going to keep getting better and better. But, but we do have some news that we got after the football game. So the Falcons did unfortunately lose uh, 15 to 21 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But afterwards, we got news that the elephant in the room is finally moving on. And we can talk about it. Deion Jones has been traded to the Cleveland Browns. And the Falcons and the Browns are going to swap late uh, 2024, uh, 2024 picks. So... Deion Jones, no longer an Atlanta Falcon. And, you know, it seemed like the writing was on the wall. And we, we couldn't too much, we can talk about it too much because, you know, you never want to speculate. But it seemed like this was bound to happen. And it finally has happened, bro. What are your thoughts? Weird timing. Um, as we you know, Very we, weird timing. we get home and we land. Yeah, this was kind of the right you, you said that the writing was on the wall i mean it's, it's not a it's not a happy day for me it, I, i'm not very happy but i i think dion personally i think dion's would still be one of the be 
I think he would be the one, probably the best linebacker on the roster right now if he was playing. I think he's. I, I love what Michael Walker shown, and and he's mm-hmm. there. But I think Michael Walker leaves a lot of plays on the field. He's a young player. He's a good player. He's and, and he's just a lot of fun to be around. But I think Deion Jones is still a better player than him. I think uh, you know there's a lot of things that I've heard that I, I just oh now I'm hearing these random things that I think are a little bit odd to hear at this point in a career. I know that um, there were some questions about when the shoulder surgery happened in this offseason and uh, how that was handled, but I think this really stems from Dion not doing the things that the defensive coordinator wanted him to do. I think Dion yeah. was the kind of a guy who liked to freelance a little bit, and in this defense, that's not really what they want. So it was kind of something that I've come to expect for a while. I, I just I didn't like how the media – turned a, a guy who always spoke to them was always good to them and just kind of turned on him and, and their narrative was he's a I felt like at times some people were trying to tell me he's a bad guy some people in the media I don't buy that Dion was yeah. one of the best dudes in that, cl- uh, that locker room when I was um when when you know during the uh, before the pandemic when right. we were in the locker room a lot now we're back in it but you know from from 16. To 19, I was around him extensively. That's four seasons, guys, and he was one of the best dudes around. And then, obviously, 20 and 21, we weren't a lot in the locker room, so there was less um, interaction. You know, less interaction with these players. Yeah. But uh, all that being said, I, I, I always liked Dion. I thought Dion was a hell of a player. He made a lot of plays for this team back in 16 and 17 and even 18 and 19 and 20. Um, and and mm-hmm. even last year he made plays. So – Disappointing day. I'm happy for Dion. I think he can go to Cleveland though and be a good yeah. player still and help them. And maybe maybe they're a team that ends up going to the playoffs or whatever. So I'm happy for Dion to move on and 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 and, to, and get to play, uh, you know, in a, a team that maybe can win. But it's not a happy day for me. I'm sad to see Dion go. And you didn't get much for him, but um, you know, you have cap room next year. You both sign some more guys, and maybe some of these guys are on the roster right now decide to come back because they've earned it. Because there's some yeah. guys right now playing on this defense, playing pretty well. Yeah, uh, we, you, uh, Dave Archer, talked to one of them yesterday. I think Rashawn Evans. I think he's definitely uh, he, the way he's playing. I think he's going to earn his way back on, onto this roster in some shape, form, or fashion. Uh, but to close the book on on Deion Jones before we get to game balls here, I think it solely comes down to Deion's not a bad person. He's not a bad dude. What happened was I think it's pretty simple. He no longer Fitted the fit the scheme, you know. Dean Pease, what Dean Pease wants to do with his defense, no longer fit the skill set of Deion Jones, in my opinion. You know, so what Deion Jones thrives at isn't what necessarily Dean uh, Dean Pease needs from him, in my opinion. And so there was just there's there wasn't a fit there anymore. You know what what Dean Pease is trying to make this defense do, uh, Deion Jones just didn't fit that didn't fit that rank. So. That that's really all it was to me. I don't think there's you know there should be any bad blood or you know Dion should be be called a bad person. He's not a bum. He's still a good player. I think he still is gonna. I think he's gonna offer Cleveland a lot. I just don't think it was a schematic fit for the Atlanta Falcons anymore, which is okay. When 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 defensive coordinator happens and, and coaching change happens, sometimes that happens. You know we we always talk about. It. I mean a lot of players from the last regime are gone, and Dion Jones is that next one. So. There aren't too many players from the last regime, uh, the last regime anymore. So it, that, it's just a thing that happens. So um happy for Deion Jones that he'll be able to get back out on the field. 
I'm happy that he can move on from this now and hopefully he can play well for for the Cleveland Browns and like you said help them help them maybe get to the playoffs and uh, Super Bowl we'll, we'll see but um so yeah so sad to see Deion go he was a very good player and like you said he was he was good to the media he had a good personality I liked him as a person from you know what I could see um but yeah it, I, it just wasn't a schematic fit anymore when we talk about X's and O's but with that let's give out some game balls because even though it was not the outcome we wanted even though we were robbed there were some positives to take away from this game so Bo Morgan who are you giving some game balls to well, first off, I'm going to give a game ball to Grady Jarrett. Yeah. Because every week, late in games this year, Grady Jarrett, other than, again, week one was, was, was bad for everybody, Grady Jarrett stepped up. Grady has been a guy who has gotten better as games go on, and he continues to show up and make plays. Um, and he got after Brady yesterday. He should have a sack and three quarterback hits. He doesn't because he was robbed. He was cheated out of it. But uh, my first and foremost goes to Grady Jarrett. You know, something else that I have been – that I have talked about a lot on this podcast is red zone efficiency. I'm going to give a game ball to the defense overall. Yeah. Tampa Bay entered the Reds area five times yesterday. Mm -hmm. They scored twice. Touchdowns. So, that's pretty good. That's Uh, good. Now, I think one of those was a knee down. Knee down. A nail down. <laughs> I believe. Same thing. I but, got you. <laughs> but look, that's, that's, this is, this team has gotten better in the red area. Yep. They're doing, they're doing what they need to do. You know, I, I just, the defense continues to grow. They only gave up 21 points um, to Tampa Bay. And I know Tampa Bay was really only coming in scoring around 21 points, mm-hmm. but they had, Everyone told me how they were going to score more because they broke out of the funk last week against the Chiefs. Well, they didn't. This defense held held some guys who had really played well against them in the past. Now they they paper cut the Falcons. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt about that. But Mike Evans, you know, he had four catches for 81 yards. Godwin had six for 61. But those guys were under their averages coming in. Yep. Neither had touchdowns. Honestly, the biggest threat in the in the passing game for the Bucks. Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette mm-hmm. who had 10 catches for 83 yards. Um, and that was, you know, that was one of those deals. But I also want to give a game ball to Huntley, Algier, and yep. Marcus Mariota. And Avery Williams, too, because he had a yeah. touchdown. The running backs continue to step up. They're getting, they're getting tough yards. They're running. They're taking hits. It's the the yard uh, the the run after uh the contact has mm-hmm. been it's been pretty good these this, these guys keep their head down and they play hard so my game balls go to Grady Jarrett our defense I hope I didn't take everything from you our defense and our running backs because all those guys earned it and I'm gonna take a game ball away for the rest of the year um, Jerome Boger and the NFL <laughs> officials are never allowed to have a game ball never ever again. In all of history, in all of time, oh, just um, you, for this season. Uh, yes. you, you did snipe me. You kind of snipe me with one, but you didn't really because I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of. You, you said his name, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in depth a little bit more. Marcus Mariota. He deserves the game ball, and I'll tell you why. Everybody is not everybody because we aren't, but a lot of people are talking about when are we gonna see Desmond Ritter? I think we should give Ritter a shot. Why not? Why not? 
Marcus Mariota led this team or should have been able to lead this team to a potential game-winning touchdown drive. And Bo Morgan, I guarantee you, if that call, that terrible call by Jerome Boger doesn't happen, if Marcus Mariota leads this team to a game-winning touchdown drive, whether they mostly run the ball or not, Marcus Mariota is probably going to have to make some throws. But either way, if Marcus Mariota is the quarterback on a potential game-winning drive for the Atlanta Falcons to put them in sole possession over first place after beating a playoff team in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I bet you the noise about Desmond Ritter is hush-hush this uh, this morning. I bet you we don't hear that. I mean, some morons are probably still going to say something, but I bet you most people are quiet right now when it comes to Desmond Ritter and his, his playing time. So Marcus Mario deserves a game ball because he had an opportunity taken away from him after he played pretty well. He made some nice throws. He hit Drake London a couple times on some big third downs. Hit Alameda Zacchaeus. He, he, he made a nice throw to Kadero Hodge in the back of the end zone on that two-point conversion. He made some big plays yesterday. And he's been making big plays not only with his, uh, with his feet, but with his uh, arm as well, really throughout the entire season. I know he's got some hiccups, but he's been playing well. And again, he should have been able to really shut all his uh, cri- uh, criticizers up yesterday and, and at least have an opportunity to go on a game-winning uh, touchdown drive, and he didn't get that. So Marcus Moreno, I think, played well. He should have been able to, you know, be somewhat of a hero yesterday. So I'm going to give him a game ball because people need to start putting some respect on Marcus Mariota's name. And I'm going to give one to the offensive uh, offensive line, too, because, again, they didn't play their best. But when it mattered most, they got that running game going. They got some push on the on the Tampa Bay defensive front. They wore them down. So Marcus Mariota on the offensive line, I'm giving them game balls. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I mean, you can give everyone a game ball on the offensive line except for Elijah Wilkinson, in my point, because Elijah Wilkinson killed you with penalties. Stupid penalties that killed this team's. They killed some drives. He's the one um, that got the face mask, right? He had a face mask. He had a, he had a false start at one point. I think he had another holding call. Um, not a good day for Elijah Wilkinson. But, hey, totally agree. Look, be angry about this one. 24 hours. 24-hour rules in effect. And then we got to move on. That's all. I'm, that's, that's my. That's my final point. Be angry, move on because what's done is done. Um, but we got to turn by Wednesday. Got to come to come come in with a uh, with with a, with a, with a mindset. We got to get up to San Francisco, get back to five hundred, and then try to go to Cincinnati, which is a winnable game, and, and find a way to win another win another one. So we got to. Got to turn this, turn, put, wrap this up, take this emotion, and, yep. and fuel it into motivation to get ready for this week and a tough San, San Francisco defense um, and get ready. You took the words right out of my mouth. You know, mentally, you have to move on. But if you want, what you do is you, you bottle up this anger, put it in your pocket, and have it ready and, and let that anger out on the San Francisco 49ers and go get your win at home this week. So, well, well said there. But – we, just like the Falcons need to move on, we will move on more to the San Francisco 49ers on Wednesday, and that is when we will talk to you next here on Peace Street Football. But before we wrap up, make sure you guys like this podcast, follow the podcast, download every single episode, and you can find us wherever you get your podcast. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app. We are wherever you get your podcast. So for Bo Morgan, I am Dylan Matthews. And thank you for listening to Peace Street Football. Until we talk to you guys on Wednesday. Peace.
Yeah, 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 yeah